Good morning, everybody. My name is John. I'm one of the curates here at Christchurch. It's a pleasure to be here with you this morning. Over the last few weeks, we have been uh, in a series looking at what it means to be spiritually fit. The premise has been that it's good to be physically fit, but it's even better to be spiritually fit. A little earlier in the chapter of 1 Timothy that we had read just now, Paul encourages uh, Timothy to teach of the, the pressures and dangers of pursuing after money. For money, Paul writes, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith. Paul makes it clear that the pursuit of money is the completely wrong pursuit. And then a few verses later, in the section that we had read this morning, just now, Paul balances his strongly worded warning to those pursuing after money with some teaching for those who are already wealthy, those who already have more than they need. And we may or may not feel it, but by virtue of living in the UK, we are the rich. If we earn minimum wage, we are in the top 10% of earners in the world. If we are on benefits, we are in the top 15, if not the top 10% of earners in the world. The fact that we have running water, that we have heating and roofs over our head, means we are the world's rich. So this little section in Paul's letter to Timothy is quite fitting for our context here in the UK. And Paul's warning to those who are pursuing money in verses 6 to 10 is extremely strong. He doesn't mince his words. And you would expect... Paul to go equally hard at those who are already rich. You would expect him to say something like Jesus said to the rich young ruler, give away all that you've got. But he doesn't. See, for Paul, having wealth isn't the issue. It's our attitude towards it and how we use it that's important. Now, it strikes me that there are, Paul sets out two contrasting investment schemes. So if you'll excuse me this morning, we're going to look at those two investment schemes. Hopefully, it won't be that dull. Option one, financial security. The financial security scheme aims at acquiring and storing up funds and goods to make our lives more comfortable, more enjoyable, more pleasurable in the here and now. Whilst being prudent and saving something for the future. And on the surface of it, it it sounds like a good investment plan, right? You know, ensuring that we've got all that we need and want for life now, making sure that we've got a nice house, tasteful furniture, good food, trendy clothes, a smart car, while setting something aside for that rainy day or for retirement. Surely that's just wise investment. It leads to financial stability and life 
security, doesn't it? And to a certain extent, of course, it is wise to carefully plan how we use our money, to make sure that we provide for our needs and something for our future. But Paul highlights two warnings with this approach. Warning one, watch out for arrogance. Don't become arrogant or proud. Do not think more highly of what you have accumulated. Don't treasure it or cherish it. Don't delight over it. Because when we do, it's easy to become boastful, to look down on others for what they do not have, to think, well, if you had only done it my way, or if you had only invested it the way I did, or if you did it this way or that way, look at me. Watch out for arrogance. It is not an attractive quality and does not bring honor to God. And warning two, money is uncertain. I was once given a very generous gift card for Black's, which is an outdoor shop. Uh, one of my great loves is the outdoor. And I kept this card very safe in a desk drawer for many, many weeks, waiting for that next bit of special kit to come out and hit the shops. The day finally arrived when the new triple-layer Gore-Tex jacket arrived in store, and I rushed there, and, and I was so excited, I picked it up off the shelf, I went over to the counter, and, and I, you know, this wasn't just single-layer Gore-Tex, this wasn't double-layer Gore-Tex, this was triple-layer Gore-Tex. There is nothing more exciting in life than triple-layer Gore-Tex, I can tell you. And, and I got to the counter, I handed it over, and I took my gift card out of my wallet. And, and at the time, I was a, a youth worker, so I wasn't paid very well. So I was like, oh, this is a real treat. Handed over the gift card. And disaster. The gift card had expired. I'd held on for it for so long that it was now utterly worthless. My money had gone, disappeared without a trace and I left the store empty-handed. And I'm not alone in the world to have gone to bed rich and woken up poor. History tells us time and time again that that happens to so many. Yes, money may look as if it provides some level of security, but who's to say what will happen to it tomorrow or the day after? Money is, as Paul writes, so uncertain. And to make that uncertain money the basis for our security in life is to be like the man who built his house upon the sand. When the rain comes, when the floods raise, the sandy foundation gives way and the house comes tumbling down. Money is a sandy foundation for life. We can't be sure to hold on, hold on to it while we are here. And we definitely can't take it when we go. If you look back at verse 7, Paul writes, We brought nothing into the world, and we take nothing out of it. 
All we invest here, in our homes, our cars, wardrobes, whatever it is, are investments that only yield a limited return. A return that lasts for, if we're lucky, our lifetime. You may recall the story that Jesus told of a farmer who has a massive crop of grain. He pulls it all in and tears down his small barns, builds bigger ones. But he dies before he gets a chance to spend and enjoy his newfound wealth. Who knows when our time will come? So the financial security scheme has a few major flaws. So let's look at option two, generosity. Generosity may sound a strange investment strategy. After all, generosity is the art of giving away more than is necessary. This investment scheme, however, isn't based on the logic of financial markets or good budgeting. It's based on the knowledge that there is an age to come which will be very different to this present age. So it kind of makes sense, right, that if the age to come is going to be very different, the way we invest in it is also different from the way we may invest in this world. And also that the rewards for that investment in that very different age which is to come will also look different. And Paul tells us that it is by giving generously, by sharing with others, by doing good works, that we invest in this new age to come. And the reward is not financial or material gain here and now, but life, and life that is truly life. Now, I like to think that I'm a generous kind of guy. And uh, when I first arrived at college, a few years ago, there was a particularly attractive young student who was in desperate need to get to London on week two. I had a car and she did not. So I thought, oh, here's a good plan. You could borrow my car. Look how generous I am lending you my car. And to be honest, it was a great strategy because that attractive young student became my wife. <laughs> but it wasn't perhaps the most generous of offers because there was something in it for me. Probably deep down, maybe not so deep down, there was that little bit inside me saying, well, you know, if you look good, if you look like you're a generous guy, you might get a Coke out of it. Generosity is not self-seeking. As Jesus says in Luke 14, the next time you put on a dinner, don't just invite your friends and family and the rich. The kind of people who will return the favor. Invite people who never get invited out. Generosity is giving away more than is necessary, freely, without hope of or expectation of anything in return. 
the most outrageous generosity I have ever experienced was the hospitality of two pastors, Pastor Alex and Pastor Harriet. Alex and Harriet are South Sudanese refugees and live in Morobi refugee camp, which is home to an estimated 800,000 refugees. I had the privilege of staying with them a year ago. And the amazing thing about Alex and Harriet is that Harriet is actually a Ugandan national, which means they don't have to live on the camp. In fact, they can go anywhere in Uganda, find a job, buy a house, buy a car, make a good living for themselves. But they don't. They have generously chosen to remain living on the camp in extreme poverty, in abhorrent conditions, so that they can invest all that they are, all that they have, including the small finances they receive, in the lives of others, in the lives of those who live on that camp. And they've started sports clubs for kids who are at risk of getting involved in criminal activity. They've started a farming project that feeds so many in the community. They're actively working for peace and reconciliation. And through all of this, they have seen many come to Christ. And they have planted seven churches. They are so rich in good works. Hugely generous. Giving what they have for the needs of others around them. And their reward? Well, they have little to no possessions of their own and certainly no retirement fund. But their reward will last forever. They have been, in the words of Paul, storing up treasure as, as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. You see, they've got this eternal perspective that it's, it's not about this age, it's not about this present time, but it's about what is to come and how good and amazing that is going to be and in investing everything that they've got in that future hope. Okay, God may not be calling all of us or even any of us to live in a refugee camp, but their example is a challenge to us to live wholeheartedly with that eternal perspective, to be generous and share what we have, not just our finances, but be rich in good works, especially to those less fortunate than ourselves. Because in doing so, we are investing in something that is so much more worthwhile Treasure that will last the whole of eternity. Treasure that provides a good foundation to take hold of life that is truly life. It is this way of thinking that offers the true reward. A reward that cannot be taken away. A reward that is not uncertain because it comes with God's own guarantee. It's far better than any AAA guarantee, I can tell you. And so this morning, the challenge is to look at our lives 
to look at what we do with what we have and ask God to inspire us to be generous, to invest in what is yet to come so that we may take up life that is truly life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have given us so much. And we pray that you would inspire us to use what you have given us for your glory with that eternal perspective in view. That you would inspire us in generosity, in good works, in sharing with those who are in need. That we may take up life that is truly life. Would you help us to fix our eyes on that eternal perspective In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.